your haircut, Connor. I see you on Facebook. I see you. So one of the things we're going to do to kind of keep us connected a little bit this summer as we go into this second summer of COVID um, is kind of some Wednesday night together kind of things. As things begin changing and, and, and are happening, then we're going to just do a couple of these during the summer uh, to just keep us connected and, and let some of the adults especially and uh, to connect together again. What I'm finding for people talking to them is that we need the opportunities to reconnect. We don't really know how to do that anymore like we did. And it's going to take time for us to learn how to do that. So there's some fun times to do that based upon your level of what you feel comfortable doing. I'm in between right now because my second shot's only been since last Tuesday, so I'm still working my way towards there. Of course, I have to hold you as your pastor. I'll hug anybody that needs a hug. Um, but that's kind of, you know... But if you're wherever you might be, we're going to have a chance for us to gather together, begin re-engaging in relationships. It'll be in the CLC, so big space, spread out, at tables that are spread out. And then after that, you can basically decide to be, what I kind of use as a mantra now, is besides wearing masks in the common spaces and getting your food and that kind of thing, which we're still doing, of course, is that you can be as far away from each other as you need to be or as close to each other as you want to be. You'll decide. Your table will decide. So if your table's all greens, like I see green stickers, and you're like, hey, I'll sit with people because I like them and I want to sit with them, that's fine. Obviously, you're not going to wear a mask when you eat. you know. But that'll be up to you to decide that. And if you want to be farther away, you'll be able to have that too. If you want your own table over there, you'll be able to have that. People can come by and stop by and say hi, but not come and sit with you, that's fine too. This is going to be the level upon re-engaging with each other and finding that space in which we feel the most comfortable with each other. So we're going to call Wednesday night together. And the first one of these is going to be this Wednesday. And it's going to be from 5.30 to 6.30. You don't have to be there at 5.30. You can come anytime before we have classes at 6.30 where we'll be peeling out to our classes. And you're more than welcome to come uh, join my class in the chapel uh, if you'd like to. And also Shelly has a class for a couple more times upstairs um, as well. But after that, the children will end. So there won't be activities for children like that. This is more about adults and feeding some youth probably and that sort of thing happening. So it, you know, it would have been Cinco de Mayo, but I was pretty, didn't feel pretty uh, very good after my second shot the day after. So then I talked about having Mayo de uh, Dosi, what did I say, Cinco de Dosi. And some of you didn't understand my text. Anybody who knew Spanish did understand it, and they let me know exactly what I had just said. What I said was, we're going to have the fifth of twelve. So when I responded back and told you what it was, some of you were like, I don't understand what you just said. I'm like, you don't know Spanish then, obviously, like I didn't. Mayo's the month, not the number. So I took Mayo out and put in two numbers. It'll be, it'll be Mayo, Mayo, Tomato, Tomato. It'll be anything. Besides, you didn't, even, you didn't even text me and tell me I did it wrong. So look at you. So anyway, so it's Dose. Dose de Mayo, which is the 12th of May. You don't even know Spanish either. Don't be talking. You're just, you're relying on Judy. I don't, anyways, we want you to come out and have fun. Taco bar, something like that. Just Taco Tuesday on a Wednesday. Stay for that. And just, just talk. Just talk to each other and just, just re-engage. 
You know, we also have the outdoor events. I hope you'll take time to come out to those once a month, especially the course Pentecost picnic this month. But these are the ways that we're going to need to be able to start to be in relationship again. You know, take some time. And for all of us will feel differently about where we're at with that. But outside events are just for you. Come to the outside events. You're ready for an inside event but still spread out? We got that too. And uh, so as we go through that. By the way, 95% of our congregation is vaccinated. I've, I've, I've gone through the numbers. I've gone through the Facebook posts. I've, people have told me everything else. At 11 o'clock, it's almost everybody's vaccinated. So I just want you to know that if you're thinking that we kind of have, you know, a lot of folks that aren't, we've all had a chance since mid-April to get vaccinated. So most people in my age, and now we have 12 to 15-year-olds that can do that too if they want to. But either way, everybody's had a chance to make a decision. So we're going to begin to figure out what June and July looks like for us now that everybody's had a chance to make a decision about what to do. But let's come out and let's uh, join together and do that. So we continue to think about seen and known and loved and how do we satisfy our deep human longing for love? That's the question we keep asking every week. That we're designed uniquely to love and every single person's been deeply either shaped by love or lack of love, especially on a day like today. If your mother wasn't there for you, then I'm sorry. If your mother was there for you, we celebrate. But there are people in this room who have both. And so it's important for us to remember that that lack of love or that great love we were shown doesn't make a difference when it comes down to what God's love languages are to us. And what if we discover what God's love language is to us at our very core so God can intimately communicate with us in that love language and how to connect with that love language. So far, we've in seen known love, we have focused on God's love languages to us of physical touch, words of affirmation, giving and receiving gifts. Basically, you belong, you are loved, and you have worth. Today, we're looking at you are seen, you matter, and so do your actions. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and center ourselves in God's words. Gracious God, as we gather here and we gather at home, we know that your Holy Spirit is present and speaking to us trying to get inside and open us up to new ways of understanding your love for us. Or perhaps today for those who love language acts of service, they will hear something they need to hear more than ever. And for all of us to hear something that comes from your heart to our hearts through the power of words. So speak into us today. Challenge us, guide us, direct us. Allow us to be your vessels to receive your living water, your word. Open us up, both here and at home. And both here and at home, we ask this and said together, Amen. Welcome to follow along with the Version Bible event and be able to see all the things that are happening throughout and the fill in the blanks and the ways to be able to connect your faith to the word today as well. one of the best examples, and there's no better day, I think, than on Mother's Day for someone who never was a mother. One of the best examples is the primary love language of acts of service is Mother Teresa. As a teenager, Agnes, 
That's her birth name. Joined a Catholic youth group in the Jesuit parish of the Sacred Heart in her hometown of Skopje, Macedonia. At the age of 18, she moved to Ireland to join the Sisters of Our Lady of Loretto. Three months later, she was sent to Calcutta, India, later to Darjeeling, near the Himalayas, and where in 1937 she made her permanent vows and she took the name of Teresa. After nine years of teaching at the only Catholic school in Calcutta for girls, Sister Teresa became aware of a different calling. She said, I had to leave the convent and consecrate myself to help the poor living among them. Abandoning Loretto was an even harder sacrifice than leaving my family that first time in order to follow my vocation, but I had to do it. It was a calling. I knew I had to go. I did not know how to get there. Some of Mother Teresa's former students followed her, and they formed the core of what became the Missionaries of Charity. That's what her group is called. And Mother Teresa started working with those she found first, abandoned children who were living in the city parks. She had no master blueprint for her plans or her work, but her goal was clear, to love and serve the poor, seeing Jesus in them. She said, in determining which work I would be done, there was no planning at all. I headed the I headed the work in accordance with how I felt called by people suffering. God made me see what he wanted me to do. When she found a woman dying on a sidewalk, she took the woman home with her and then opened the house, the home for the dying to provide a peaceful and dignified place for people to die. Later, when she found abandoned children, she opened her first children's home. Then she started a home for lepers, people with AIDS, unwed mothers. She was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979, and she did not consider the cash award as personal property, but accepted the name of the poor, and she spent all of that money on the poor. But to view Mother Teresa as simply an unusually unselfish person is to miss the central message of her life. As she explained, whoever the poorest are, they are Christ for us. Christ under the guise of human suffering. Most of us are probably left in awe of Mother Teresa's dedication to God and her neighbors. I know I am. Whenever I hear more and more of her story, it just sends even more awe into me. And awe deepens. It's almost like everything she said was, was dipped in the love of God. See, for her, loving God meant... Serving people. In addition to service, love also meant sacrifice for Mother Teresa. After all, she reasoned that was how God expressed His love to us. True love causes pain. Jesus, in order to give us the proof of His love, died on the cross. A mother, in order to give birth to her baby, has to suffer. If you really love one another, you will not be able to avoid making sacrifices. 
Those of you who are biological mothers of children know exactly what she's talking about, literally. And those of you who are mothers of all kinds, step and spiritual, also know the sacrifice for a child and to be present in their lives. We talked about last week in God's love language of receiving and giving gifts that God expressed God's love for us by sending His one and only beloved Son, Jesus, who being birthed by a teenage girl, a human mother, in His time on earth, expressed His love by the supreme act of service, giving His life for our sins. So it's, it's no wonder that another young teenager named Agnes would respond to that same love in her faithfulness and service to Jesus. You see, even we as Christians see her transformation as incredible. Yet do we not believe that God, the God we serve and that she serves, is more than able to make these kind of changes in our life? I mean, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and Jacob, the God who delivered the Israelites from bondage in Egypt, an act that's remembered by the Jewish people almost 4,000 years later, every year. The Hebrew people saw again and again that God's acts of service like parting the Red Sea and providing food and water for them in the wilderness. They happened again and again. And Jesus was all about acts of service, just like His Father, which included something that we all count on and talk about as we lament and celebrate the loss of someone in our lives because Jesus tells us He's preparing a place for all His followers in John 14. And Jesus claimed his acts of service as loving acts of service to the Father. And talking to Philip, when Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us, like he hadn't already seen the Father, Jesus said, The words I say to you I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. See, Jesus actually used his acts of service as evidence that he's telling the truth about being the Son of God. It doesn't take too long to look at the Gospels and see that Jesus' entire life was an act of service. We see it in every miracle He performed, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, calming the storm, casting out the demons. These were supernatural acts of service, but they were also expressions of God's love. Jesus even talked about His own death as an act of service in John 15, 12 through 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Paul understood the death of Jesus Christ as an act of service, an expression of God's love too. To the church in Rome, in Romans 5, 6, he told them, you see, at just the right time, 
When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. And then he says the words that many of us are probably most familiar with. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul was amazed and overwhelmed that God would do this. The thought that Christ would die not for good people, but for the sinners, for those who are broken, that he wouldn't wait or only come to those who were good. And when Mother Teresa challenged others to join her in loving God, her invitation was most often expressed in terms of acts of service. I invite all those who appreciate our work to look around them and be willing to love those who have no love and to offer them their services. And then she says this, Are we not by definition messengers of love? And these words from her just drip the love of God. And everything that she says. The poor need the work of our hands, the love of our hearts. Love and abundant love is the expression of our Christian religion. And this is where Mother Teresa's love and our love comes in as an expression of our faith. Because maybe you've asked the question that I've asked myself lots of times over lots of years. Have you ever wondered if what you do makes a difference? Have you ever wondered if what you do in your life really makes a difference? Those of us with the love language acts of service, which is my highest, we finally got there. We start out passionate, wanting to make a difference in the world. But in the grind of life, in the whirlwind of our everyday world, we slow down and often we give up and we wonder if our actions are making any difference at all, if anyone sees what we're doing. One of the stories that a pastor told me one time, he was one of my friends at the Wesley Foundation and had gone out to be a student pastor. His name was Max Mayo. He was a DS with us and a pastor for many years in our conference. He came and he preached once to us as students. And he told a story at that point, of course, that I had never heard before. And you've probably heard that story a thousand times now. But it was the starfish story. And I'd never heard the starfish story. And maybe you are not cluing into what the starfish story is. But the, the starfish story was the story of a little boy who's along the seashore somewhere throwing starfish back one by one. He picks up off the shore and there are literally thousands of starfish along this beach. And of course, somebody cynical like, you know, me comes along and says, what are you doing that for? You can't save them all, so why bother to save any of them? And of course, the little boy says, as he's throwing a starfish into the ocean, it matters to that one. It matters to that one. 
it matters to that one. And that's the starfish story, right? And like it says, every action, no matter how small, can make a difference. And this is, you know, not a Christian story by any means. It's a, it's a story of making a difference. And I heard that story, and, and I responded to him, who I thought, I never saw him being a pastor in his life, with the opportunity that he might do that. And then I said, well, he, if he can do that, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could get, overcome my fear of public speaking. Maybe I can overcome my fear of this, of stuttering and doing this. And it was that starfish story that finally led me in, in college in my junior year to, to pursue the calling for me in ordained ministry. You know, that story seems really trite nowadays, you know, just kind of something we've heard about a thousand times maybe. But it reminds me of the fact is that you know, God wants you and me to know that even though the problems of life are much bigger and more complex than we originally thought, that God sees what you do. God sees what you do. Every time. That God sees your big heart and your strong desire to change your life and to change the world. And God also sees you weary in trying. My bishop actually texted me this morning out of the blue to say, I'm praying for you today. I was like thinking, what prompted you to text that this morning? <laughs> Someone tell you something I don't know? <laughs> but that was really appreciative because that was him seeing what I do. I don't even need the words of affirmation because acts of service doesn't need words of affirmation like, hey, you know, you're a good person. What they need is words of affirmation and encouragement that say, I see you. I see the work that you're doing. You're doing a good job. That, that's what they, what they really need. And so, But see, God knows that changing the world is a job that's far too big for us to do, which is what the man was saying walking along the beach and seeing a thousand starfish. Why even bother? It's too big. You ever been in your little corner of the world, look at the whole world and go, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. I don't know what to change. I don't know what to do. I'm paralyzed by what's in front of me. But God also wants you to know that your actions do matter and that you matter, that the actions and intentions of our hearts are proof and evidence that we are God's beloved children. That when we even save one starfish, we see the difference in the world because that is a world that is different, that is in front of us. One more starfish has a better life or lived longer or whatever it is in life that's about there. And it's a little more like the world is supposed to be. We can't just not do anything because we can't do it all. We can't do everything, but every one of us can do something. Amen? We see that our actions do matter that they do make a difference. But to remember, like Mother Teresa teaches us, that our actions are most powerful when they are fueled by love. When you're filled in the blanks. Fueled by love. That love has the power to multiply and exponentially grow our actions. That love can transform our simple actions to do good into something that is concrete and long-lasting. Just look at Mother Teresa who started out as an 18-year-old. And how does that happen? It happens through a relationship with God. 
You see, God alone has the power to change our lives and our world. And through a loving relationship with Him, we don't grow weary and cynical throwing those starfish back in the water one by one. When we do it together with God, we don't grow weary and tired of that. That's what Mother Teresa found out too. However, even in her life, she wrote, and of course this came out and it was a big deal, she wrote, the fact is, I'm not sure what I believe about God or if I believe. Everybody got really scared about that. Tell me you haven't written that sometime or thought that about what you believe about God or how you believe. Or is God even there? Is God even listening? That's probably the truest sign of faith. To be able to question and to work through it and to continue on the journey even when you're in the dark night of the soul. You see, that was her superpower. Her relationship with God. Another occasion she said, Jesus is the one who take, we take care of and visit and clothe and feed and comfort. Every time we do this for the poorest of the poor, to the sick, to the dying, to the lepers, and to the ones who suffer from AIDS, we should not serve the poor like they were Jesus. We should serve the poor because they are Jesus. Think about that. Not because they're like Jesus. Because they are. And she spent time in loving relationship with God through a dedicated life of devotion and prayer. And then she just loved the people where she found them and how she found them. And then began to meet their needs. Because love makes all the difference in the world. If you start in the place of love, it will never lead you wrong. If we start in some other place, it always will. She knew that. In the book of Proverbs 21.21, it says, Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life and prosperity and honor. And Gary Chapman says, The magic combination is righteousness and love. When these two come together, it is our superpower too. Without love, our actions have no sustaining power. We're just doing something to do it. And we often grow weary and bitter and angry when it doesn't come the way we want it to be. In the Hebrew original language, prosperity literally means here the word flourishing. 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 So someone combines their strong inner God given desire to make things right with God's love at the heart and they find a life that is flourishing. And that in turn then leads to honor, the recognition of accomplishment, which is essential to acts of service people especially. Not accomplishment in the sense that here's your reward. Mother Teresa did not need the Nobel Prize to be able to tell her she was doing good work but in the sense of accomplishment that it is, you did something. You did it. You accomplished it. You finished it. Something happened that changed that. When we live lives of love and pursuit of making the world right, we find that we are seen and known. 
And those of us with the acts of service, most of the time don't need, as I mentioned before, words of affirmation to be able to say, hey, you're a good person. That's not at the top of my list. To be able to serve. But they do need encouragement. They do need to accomplish something. That they have accomplished something. That they make a difference. You know, you made a difference in my life. Those are the words of affirmation that someone that acts of service needs to know. Or a great job. Or we did it. Or a way to go. Without that encouragement, they can begin to believe they are irrelevant. They're not useful anymore. They're not needed. They need that kind of affirmation. When they have it, they're willing to work as hard and as long as it takes to make that difference. And the Bible teaches us throughout its pages that living a life of love and working toward a world made right will result in honor to God. And that's what we want to do, right? We want to give God all the honor, the glory, the thanks, the praise. Those are the kind of words we use all the time. Honor. Even today, honor our mothers. And we will be seeing when we live lives of love and righteousness, that is what Mother Teresa is known for, even after her death, and as she became a saint. And acts of service is your love language. You'll primarily find yourself expressing your care and your concern for others in the world around you through your actions. Very much like the Matthews in the room, of which I am as well. You see, in our minds, talk is cheap. And people need to put their money where their mouths are. All these phrases are good for them. Roll up your sleeves. Actually do something. We feel the love from others when when they see us, acknowledge us, and then reciprocate by doing acts of care and concern too. You see, acts of service people are often big picture people. They see a future in which things are the way they're supposed to be, where the thousand starfish are off the beach, one by one by one, where they eat the elephant. How they do it? One bite at a time. But they see the whole elephant. They don't give up. And they're often putting their energy into serving the needs of others socially and relationally. Susan's love language, up there in the balcony, is also acts of service. As she often says about us, if it wasn't, that wasn't the same for each of us, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Which is why she spent most of her Saturday here making no less than 24 pies for some of you and supporting the youth ever since we came up with this crazy idea to do Pie Love You on Mother's Day several years ago. And when I asked her if she wanted to limit the number of pies when the numbers started climbing, she said no. She even contacted one person who had not signed up because they had gotten a pie before and she wanted to serve them too. And on the way out of the door yesterday to spend her day in the CLC kitchen with Rick as an assistant, Thank you, Rick, for helping her, or she'd probably be there all night too. She said this to me on the way out the door, which she never knew I would write down and use in the sermon, obviously. She said this, It is the smallest acts of service that mean the most.
should get your own quote for that once you put it somewhere. You probably stole it from somebody else, though. She is truly a mother to all of us in this church. And she is truly a woman of faith in action, just like her spiritual sister sitting next to her, who has to have access service somewhere at the top. (laughs) Both of them are women of faith and spiritual mothers to many across this congregation. And that's why things like laziness, not wanting to spend time or energy to do our best, or broken commitments, or inaction, is so frustrating to these kinds of people. They are honestly the things that I don't do well with at all. And I don't do as well as I could. But when these things happen, what it makes me feel, like others I bet who have this love language too, is that you don't love us by taking something off of our plate and seeing us drowning or doing something you're supposed to do. And we have to ask each other a million times, has this gotten done? Has this gotten done? Has this gotten done? That's our love language, getting things done. Shelly sent me a picture of curtains hung up in the, in the fellowship hall that has happened and all that, and James and her are working on that. She says, it's done. And I'm like, amazing, that's great. That's my love language. Send me a picture of getting things done. That's all I need. But you see, people who experience love through acts of service are crying out to know that they matter, that they make a difference in the world. They want to know they're having an impact and making a difference regardless of whether they ever are known for it or seen for it. You know, Susan doesn't want all that stuff mentioned about her. That's my choice. The heart hope for them is, I matter. Say, I matter. Say, I matter. And it drives us to ask over and over the questions like, what's the point? What kind of legacy am I leaving? Am I having an impact? There is something deep within people like this that strives to make a true difference and people with the love language acts of service cry out to know their lives and their actions matter. And here's the rub. Because we can get really focused on that and it becomes all that we are. And God wants you and I to know that we do matter. That our lives do have relevance. God wants you to know that your actions can make a difference if they are rooted in love, no matter how large or small they might be. Because we have been created to make a difference, to shape the world in a relationship with God. You see, God didn't create spectators to stay in the stands. God created players and coaches and cheerleaders to be on the field, striving to make the world right. Amen? We're not called as Christians to be in the secret service. We're called to be on the front lines. And there's no better example in the Bible of Jesus teaching his disciples and us that than in John 13 to close. Starting in verse 4, he he got up from the table. He took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin. And he began to get down at the feet of his disciples and begin to wash them, 
drying them with the towel that he was wearing. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now. But you will understand later. And after he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes, returned to his place at the head of the table, and he said to them, Do you know what I've done? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. But if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example, just as I have done, you also must do. Because I assure you that servants aren't greater than their masters. Nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. If there ever was a scripture that speaks about acts of service, it's Jesus, the Son of God, kneeling down at his disciples' dirty, stinking feet because no one has bothered to hire somebody to wash them. And they're willing to sit there and ignore the fact is that they stink. And Jesus is like, not going to happen. If you won't do it, I'll do it myself. Because that's what a true servant's heart does. And so this final quote from Mother Teresa seemed to sum it up to me about her acts of service that were spiritual and all of her nature. To me, Jesus is the life I want to live, the light I want to reflect, the way to the Father, the love I want to express, the joy I want to share, and the peace I want to sow around me. Amen. Hear these words from Psalm 98. This is actually one of my favorite ones. Sing to the Lord a new song because he has done wonderful things. His own strong hand and his own holy arm have won the victory. The Lord has made his salvation widely known and he has revealed his righteousness in the eyes of all the nations. God has remembered his loyal love and faithfulness in the house of Israel. Every corner of the earth has seen our God's salvation. Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Be happy. Rejoice out loud. Sing your praises. Sing your praises to the Lord with the lyre. With the lyre and the sound of music. With trumpets and horn blasts, shout triumphantly before the Lord the King. Let the sea and everything in it roar. The world and all its inhabitants too. Let all the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains rejoice out loud together before the Lord because he is coming to establish justice on the earth. He will establish justice in the world rightly. He will establish justice among all people fairly. So do we, how do we live out? Hey, hello. Hi. How do we live out this love language to God? Well, consider the words of Jesus and how they speak the love language of acts of service when he says, Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more would he clothe you, you of little faith? So we have to remember, even without our labor or spinning, we have value to God. You are seen, known, and cared for. Whatever your work is, you may think it doesn't mean much in the world. You may think you only have significance if you're accomplishing something. But Jesus' words here demonstrate God's deep love and care for us even when we're just being. He dresses us in beauty like a field of wildflowers. So as we live into a relationship of love with God, He sees us and celebrates us with honor as He clothes us with a beauty that is greater than a field of weed-free wildflowers. God wants you to feel seen experiencing His love too. He wants you to find your greatest sense of purpose and accomplishment, not through working hard, but living a life of love. Let's stand together and worship.